Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Chris Hewton to my Sabri Lamushi. It's Justin Peach. Hello Ryan. Justin, how are we doing today? I'm good, I'm excited. I've got a new game to play on the PlayStation. So, Ooh, Tell me more. Well, it's Cyberpunk, but apparently it's not yet finished in inverted commas on, um, on PS4. I'm still a peasant on the old console, not the new one. So they've released an unfinished game well basically there's loads of issues with it like it's not rendering and the graphics are terrible which is exactly what you want when you pay 50 quid for a new for a new playstation game hey i bet it's still better quality than i follow Uh, anyway (laughs) justin (laughs) anyway justin this is the midweek edition of the second tier podcast for anyone who is new to the show thank you for joining us Uh, this is basically a rundown of all the games from the past couple of days no news nothing like that we'll all have that on sunday's episode so make sure you tune in then but we'll crack on straight into the games justin and let's start on a positive shall we after the thoroughly depressing scenes at the weekend we saw much more encouraging ones at the den on Tuesday night as Millwall and QPR drew one all. Before the games, the players came together to hold up an equality banner. The QPR players were given a round of applause for taking the knee. The Millwall players came to a collective decision not to do it. And then after the game, defender Marlon Romeo held up his shirt which had the Kick It Out logo on it and was given another round of applause by the Millwall fans. Well done everyone involved. Faith in humanity restored. Let's talk about the actual game, Justin. It was a fairly tight one. Not many great chances and both sides could have really done with a win. I don't think a draw really does much for either side. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely agree. Um, it's It was a game where you can tell both teams are out of form, like massively out of form. Um, you know, there was, a, there was an opportunity for QPR to go 2-0 up. I had Dykes have taken that opportunity. Like He had the whole goal to aim at and he just... I didn't slice it but he volleyed it straight at Bierkowski there's no really venom, not much venom in it either um, and you think if, if he puts that away QPR cruise to a 2-0 win but you know they allowed Millwall back into the game and Millwall got back into the game but you know Millwall is still winless it's it's you know you have to wonder when, when the next win is coming for them and obviously QPR perhaps for QPR it's probably it's not a bad result you know three defeats on the bounce they go into this game they just need to arrest that run of defeats and they did that yeah, I can see what you mean. I suppose with everything that's going on off the pitch for Millwall, you could make the excuse that the players have been slightly distracted over the days prior to the game. However, Guy Rowett's side are now without a win in nine. They're gagging for a result. They've got <laughs> Middlesbrough at the weekend, who are one of the last teams you want to play when you're struggling for goals. Well, they used to be anyway. We'll talk about that a bit later on. If there is a positive, then Troy Parrott was fairly lively here. He had more shots than any other player in the game. 
but you need to start converting them. And then for QPR, they weren't much better. Had 17 shots against them. Uh, the only positive really was Elias Chair, and it is a big positive in fairness. He scored a bullet of a goal. It's just flew in past Bielkowski. Uh, one of those games where he looked a real star and Millwall struggled to get near him. Obviously a very good player. Problem is, happens once every five games. The only thing stopping him from being a good player is doing it more more regularly. And if he does that, then he could be an absolute baller. Right, let's move on to the Neil Harris juggernaut, Justin. It continued to plough through the championship as Cardiff won their fourth game in a row by beating Stoke 2-1. They've won more matches in the last two weeks than they have done all season, which is uh, impressive to say the very least. Sean Morrison had an eventful game. He scored an own goal, gave away a penalty and then scored the winner. Mm. So fair play to him as well. But Cardiff, Justin, they're not stopping, are they? They flew up the table and it goes back to what I said about consistency a few weeks ago, that if you put together a few wins, you suddenly go flying up the table and you look like you could start doing something. That's kind of how Cardiff look at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, the, the competitiveness and the closeness of the championship and that's what it offers. But, you know, it's four wins on the bounce and two of those wins have come against potential playoff rivals in, in Stoke and Watford. So, you know, th- there's two statement wins there and, um, you know, it's, it's more goals from set pieces as well. They're finding other ways to get goals, although at the moment it seems to be that set pieces is the only way they're, they're scoring. But, you know, it's just it's just a, a crazy amount of goals they're getting from set pieces. I've, I've, I honestly can't remember uh, a team being this consistently good at set pieces. It seems like every week now they're, they're bagging goals because both goals... Um, against though came from a free kick in a corner yeah they've got 11 from set pieces now so most in the league which isn't too surprising the next highest is Reading and they're on seven so miles ahead and uh, they're also defending much better than they were before so it seems like Neil Harris is doing the simple thing of sticking to what you know which is not a bad tactic at the end of the day (laughs) Uh, Stoke had a few decent chances just didn't put them away including Sam Vokes who missed the penalty which could have sealed the game wait not sure it was was it actually Sam Vokes? Yes, it was actually Sam Vokes. Not, not Tyrese Campbell? No, it wasn't Tyrese Campbell. It was actually <laughs> Sam Vokes. Not sure it was the brightest decision to let a striker as low on confidence as him take the penalty because he's only scored something like eight goals in the last two seasons now. But there you go. I'm not in charge of penalties. If you want to make excuses, Stoke have been badly hit by injuries. Fletcher, Suter, Mikel amongst those who are missing there are quite a few and even worse was Tyrese Campbell went off injured in this game although it doesn't seem to be too serious they've got a chance to bounce back against Derby at the weekend though haven't they so you'd expect them to turn it around that that's kind of what we're seeing with Stoke at the moment really isn't it Um, they when they do lose they usually follow it up with a decent performance yeah that's true but it's as you said you know they've got a lot of injuries and they're coming up against a Derby team who have actually been performing pretty well of late and um, I think it's going to be a harder game than perhaps we we make out <laughs> week to week so you know as you say it's an ideal opportunity for them to to turn it around but it's going to be tough for them missing some key players mm. There was a shock at the old Medeski as Reading lost 2-1 to Birmingham John Terrell rolling back the years Justin Yeah he's, I, I was surprised to hear that he'd not scored since February 2018 I was not surprised to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. 
Well, um, he's, not, he's not really done anything for so long, has he? Yeah. And he? When he was a young lad, he was one hell of a player and people were expecting big things of him. But I think injuries have caught up with him a bit, haven't they? Mm-hmm. But he's been playing fairly regularly for Birmingham this season and this could be the spark in his career that gets him back on track. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, he, he took both of his goals really well. The, the first really one well. especially was was such a good touch, a really you know a, quite, a deft touch to set himself up for a for a lovely shot. And in the second one, again coming inside on his left foot, which is his stronger foot, um, and sliding it in was, was was a really good finish. But he has got ability, and as you said, he has been unlucky with injuries as well. But he still is only twenty six, I think. That's probably right. Sounds about yeah. right. Um, and obviously, Karanka puts a lot of faith in number tens. Um, he got the best out of João Carvalho at Forest in in his six months at Forest. Um, that's Karanka. I mean, but you know he does get the best out of number tens, and Birmingham need that creative edge going forward. And if John Terrell can can provide that, then he certainly gives them something else. Well, they've got Alan Halalovic as well, haven't they? Mm-hmm. When he uh, eventually gets into the side, uh, but this game was the definition of shit house. Really, Birmingham got the two goals, and from that point, they're just more than happy to sit back and let Reading try to do their worst. Of course, they did. Reading scored, and then they won a penalty. That should have never been given, by the way. No. Birmingham had Harley Dean sent off afterwards, and then Zhao missed the penalty, and then Zhao missed another good chance at the end. Utter shithousing, but Reading will be very annoyed that they lost here, won't they? They will. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw quite a bit of feedback on... <laughs> feedback? Uh, quite a bit of reaction on, on Twitter, and it, it sounded like they were just a bit jaded. They never really got going throughout the game. It took them too long to, to get into it. And obviously by that point, Birmingham would tune it up and you give yourself a lot of work to do. Um, I also read that um, Birmingham allowed Reading just um, you know 18% of the action in their final third, which meant you know Birmingham City were, were defending really well, especially after getting the lead. So you know, as I say, you go to a cranker side goes two 0 up. It's always going to be difficult for a team to break them down, um, and obviously they get they get back into it the goal, and then they miss a penalty. It's just you just know your luck's not with you that night. Neil Leatheridge, by the way, is the keeper for penalties, isn't he? He's such a good keeper at penalties. Yeah, he's very good at them. He's just a very good shot stopper in general, really, mm. isn't he? Uh, the front four really struggled in this game, with maybe the exception of Yaku Mate. Elise had a much more quiet game after he tore Forrest a new one at the weekend. <laughs> um, he is only 18, so we can't expect too much from him. Uh, we can't expect him to be prime Maradona every week, can we, Justin? Uh, but Ijaria and Jao, they were both poor as well. They can be a bit frustrating, can't they? The, the front three as a whole, because... I, mean, I know Zhao has been a prime example of inconsistency ever since he's been in the championship of the season. We've actually seen him do it over a number of games. Um, while Ijaria and Mate are also two players who are quite inconsistent. Whether Zhao continues his good form, who knows. But you're almost relying on at least two of those players having a good game for Reading to have a good game as well. Um, so it's not ideal. It's not ideal at all. But this was just a textbook Karanka win, wasn't it? Not impressive, but it's effective. Two tough games coming up. They'll need to put their shit out of meter on 100% power when they come to those games over the next few days. Uh, Preston 3, Middlesbrough nil. Before this game, Preston had won once at home all season, only scoring four goals. They've got the second worst defence in the league. So, of course, they went and scored three against the second best defence in the league and kept a clean sheet. I just never know what to expect with Preston, Justin. Yeah, I messaged you last night and um, I said that that's such a head case. 
like they make you bang your head against the wall because they've been such a yo-yo side this season you know they'll they'll make you think you know that they've turned it around they're doing well this is it now the runner form's coming and then they get battered the week after um but but for Preston now you know it's 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 two wins in three it's you know it's a good runner form they're putting together and as you say to sort of curb that I don't know curse at home that they've that they've dragged themselves with all season is really good and you know it was a really good performance they were especially effective on the counter attack I was really impressed with Scott Sinclair you know at the age of I think 31 he still shows a lot of class his finish as well was brilliant um, and again Emil Reese um, Emil Reese Jakobsen is it Jakobsen yes yes because <laughs> yes, he's got Reese on his name I always get confused um, but again he showed what, what a good striker he is so yeah there's there's a lot of positives for Preston obviously getting full backs back in the in the team Andrew Hughes at left back and Donald Fisher clearly helped them as well just go back to what you were saying about how they do really well one week and then get battered the other week. That's exactly what Jimmy from the From the Finney podcast was saying to us on one of the Sunday shows that they either batter teams or get battered. They've only picked up two draws this season, which is the fewest in the league. So you never really know what Preston side's going to turn up. They are 13th now, seven points off the playoffs. Could really do with building up a head of steam if they're still aiming for the playoffs this season. Uh, as you mentioned, Jakobsen, he came on, he got on the score sheet as well. He's not someone who's been too prolific since joining it in October. Uh, he's looked good at holding up the ball and just generally doing what a target man does. But he as I say, he's not particularly had his goal-scoring boots on much this season. But if he's bringing others into play and making the team play better, does he really need to be scoring that many? Probably not, because when you've got the likes of Sinclair, who's got plenty of goals this season, and Barkhazen's mm-hmm. got a few in recent weeks as well, then he's doing his job, I suppose. Borough have now gone from hardly conceding any goals and not scoring many to conceding loads and still not scoring many. <laughs> which in my experience of football, Justin, is not very good. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to say they're, they're cracking under pressure, but the form is dipping and obviously they're starting to concede a lot more goals. Um, and you just felt after, especially after Saturday and the the whole Porter Cabin uh, debate um, mm. at Stoke, you just feel like um, Warnock is clutching at straws a little bit because, you know, he's always good at finding excuses... Um, to not criticise his team, but really, he should probably be criticising them, especially after this performance against Preston, because again, they had chances, they had opportunities, but they didn't take them. And then obviously, you know, Preston scored three in, uh, in the second half, as well as that, um, as I said on the counter, Preston looked really effective, and, and it didn't help that Borough lacked discipline in their shape when being countered, um, which I think ultimately let Preston in, into the game, you know. It was a, it was a game where they they should have seen it out for a nil nil, but they didn't. Obviously, for whatever reason, it's just not happening for them. Yeah, you mentioned not scoring the chances. That's been an issue all season. Yeah. The more concerning thing is, as I was saying a second ago, how many goals they conceded now. They've conceded more in their last four games than they had in their first thirteen, and that's been replicated in the results as well. Four losses in six games. It's very disappointing because we were thinking that there might be a surprise playoff contender a few weeks ago, but the recent performance have said anything but. And the defensive solidity looked like it was going to be enough to see them keep picking up results 
because they were still creating plenty of chances, mm-hmm. just not putting them away. And usually, when you're creating plenty of chances, but very solid defensively, the results do start going your way. Uh, but as I say now, that solidity has disappeared in the last few games. They might be missing Anthony Dykesteel or Virgil van Dykesteel, as he's better known on this show. <laughs> uh, he's missed the last few games, but I'm, I can't really say that his absence alone has been the main cause for Borough becoming leakier than a sieve. Yeah. There's got to be something there for everything to just have gone pretty badly. I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say completely wrong in the last few weeks. It's not gone completely wrong, but it's... There's been a massive drop in performances, hasn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, Watford 2, Rotherham nil. A very comfortable first half for Watford. They benefited from Rotherham being fairly poor, both defensively and going forwards. Second half, the fans weren't too impressed. The team was accused of taking the foot off the gas. They only managed two shots. And Rotherham came close a couple of times, didn't they, Justin? Yeah, you can't be too harsh. Teams are going to get chances at this level. It's the championship. It's, you know, as I said, there are always going to be opportunities. Even if there's such a gap in quality in, in players, like there is between Watford and Rotherham, they're always going to get chances. You know, Rotherham are quite a plucky team, but as you said, they gifted Watford's first two goals. Their defending was pretty much atrocious, and, you know, there, there comes a time where you have to call it out for what it is. And pretty much all season it's been mistake after mistake after mistake that's let Rotherham down it's done it the same well, it's the same thing's happened again today they let Cabaselli score who's not scored for three years that's almost low <laughs> Doyle levels that is um, so yeah it's, it's, it's just it's just not good enough but as he said you know perhaps they did take the foot off the gas but when you tune it up and you're cruising you've got the quality you have maybe a little bit of arrogance seeps in maybe but they got the win they did get the win and a win is a win but I'd say the, the jury's still out on Vladimir Ivic as a manager. They're third in the table, but have the performances <coughs> been that good? Apart from maybe the Preston game a couple of weeks ago, they've not particularly been that impressive in many games this season. And with mm. the players they have in the squad, I'm not sure that's acceptable, really. Players like Saar, Kapue, Dini, Gray, Cleverly, they should be making light work of the championship, but... It's all a bit negative. Saar seems restricted with what he's allowed to do when, if he was given freedom, he'd be putting defenders on the arse regularly. You've got the talent here to go and just tell the players to just play and then the defenders are good enough to just do their job. They don't need to be playing this rigid style. They could just go out there and batter most of the teams in this division and they could have done it here against Rotherham but they decided they'll just chill out in the second half and as I say... It's a win, but it's not entirely convincing. And a better team, a team better than Rotherham, mm. might have given them more of a scare. It's all I'm saying. Uh, just one more point in that as well. I think they're not going to get away with it as well. Now they're fans back in the ground. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. When you've got fans in the ground, mm-hmm. they will start having Demand. a go at you if mm. you are taking your foot off the gas. And, it, 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 well, it happens plenty of times, doesn't it? It's not necessarily good for a team. Because sometimes it is just best to, you know, sit back, soak mm-hmm. up the pressure. But when, when you have got fans, it's not particularly entertaining. And they'll let the players know, won't they? But for Rotherham, it is seven losses in their last nine games now. I always thought they would be in a relegation battle this season, Justin. But things are suddenly looking a bit perilous. Even more so when you consider Derby, for example, are starting to pick up pace behind them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just harks back to, to what I said at the beginning of this um, this portion of the, the, the episode. You know, 
they're, mistake, they're making mistake after mistake after mistake. Coventry City were doing the same thing. They they tighten the ship up, and it's and it's worked for them. Um, unfortunately, Rotherham, you know, they haven't seen that 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 light yet. And you know, you do have to start to worry because, as I say, they not learned from those mistakes. You look at the first goal; it was a massive slice from West Harding. It was such a bad <laughs> error, and those things do happen. But you come up against against a team like Watford, um, they're going to punish you. Um, they got the quality of players to do it, and that happened. Yeah, there were signs of life, as we were saying, in the second half. And they looked quite threatening at times. And over the course of the season, they have put in some decent performances. But ultimately, you've got to get points on the board. And they're struggling to do that. Justin, let's take a break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Norwich, Huddersfield and Bristol City. Are you struggling for present ideas this Christmas? Have you thought about getting a Dortmund shirt for your dad? What about some Barcelona shorts for your brother? Or maybe even a Lazio jumper for that special someone in your life? Classic Football Shirts is everything you need for any football mad people you're buying for this Christmas. Whether it's a Blackburn shirt from 2007 or even Middlesbrough themed loungewear, whoever they support, they'll have something for their club. Have a look for yourself at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, let's go to the game at Carrow Road between Norwich and Forest. That finished 2-1 to the Canaries. A deflected goal from Emmy Brendia meant Norwich stay top of the league. But, Justin, it's another game where I'm not particularly impressed with Daniel Farker's boys. Does it matter? They're winning games? I suppose it doesn't, really. They could go the whole season without playing particularly well and keep winning games but Mm. being realistic that doesn't usually happen they were against a forest side who have been fairly poor defensively this season and Norwich didn't really create that many good chances or or any good chances really They, they ended up scoring from a deflection and a poor header from a forest defender I just get the feel well I just get the feeling that the results might drop off at some point because I don't think you can win the championship without entering top gear at some point. And as we say, they've not really done that all season or really even come close to doing it. It's usually down to a Tim Krull masterclass or a late winner. And it's kind of similar to what we were just saying about Watford. You'd expect them to be getting past teams a lot easier than they are, considering the talent that's available to them. On the other hand, you could argue that they have had a few injuries as well. So, there's there's a balance there, I suppose. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying, and okay, it does it does concern you a little bit, but they haven't really hit top gear. But also, if the if the grinding games out like this, then they're doing something right. You know, they, they've picked up 19 points with goals after the 70th minute, which that's testament to Daniel Fark and his style of play because they just they they, ne- they never panic, and I'd rather. I'd rather be a part of a team that never panics, that sticks to the principles, than than someone who chucks on the big man to put it in the box for the last five ten minutes if you're trading or trying to chase a win because that, that that doesn't work. But what it is showing is that this style of football for them does work, and once they get players back and in full fitness, and once games start to stretch out, because I think it was Tony Mowbray which we'll, we'll, we'll go on to say um, later on, they've got one day to prepare for the Norwich game at the weekend. 
because of how relentless the schedule is, they just can't get you know, resting. They didn't get home till 3 a.m. this morning at the time of recording. They didn't get home till 3 a.m. this, um, this morning. That's that's Blackburn from Bristol City, um, which, you know, every club is going to be suffering from that. And that means that every club's performances are going to be impacted by that. And that's not different. That's not different for, for Norwich. And as well as that, they, they're struggling for, for players. You know, they've had a lot of players injured. So, you know, they've, they've made use of their squad very well and they've still picked up points. So if they get out of this spell, it's looking good for them. On the other hand, I'd say that teams have got bigger squads in the division, like Watford, Bournemouth, mm-hmm. Blackburn even. These these are teams who have got more players available to them, even when Norwich have got a fully fit squad. So whether the results, whether the, the you know relentless fixture list will start catching up with them, I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Uh this was Forrest's first goal in over 500 minutes of football. It's a start because things couldn't have been much worse than they have been recently. I don't think Norwich were great, but I wouldn't say Forrest were particularly good either. If results don't improve soon, then there could be a bit of panic around the city grounds. And I tell you what, you thought they were crazy with their transfer policy before. Just wait until you see them panic buying in January. Oh God, it's, it's frightening, isn't it? Knowing that. They could be they could be sucked into a relegation battle in January and have to sign players to to subside that. But you know, I saw a lot of Forest fans buoyed by this performance. And okay, it was a it was a decent performance. But I've, as as we've alluded to in the past, Norwich give you chances. It's just whether or not you take them. And Forest, they're two shots on target. Both of them are outside the area. Anti knockout the goal. I think that was a cross. Um, that that curved in I can't say it was a shot for certain but yeah I'm still not sure whether Guerrero got a touch on it or not but mm. I get your point but uh, you know oh sorry no I was just going to say that what what did buoy me more about this Forest side was Joe Lolly looked dangerous it's the first time he's seen dangerous probably since last season well they've got the talent haven't they yeah I mean come on Nokia Freeman Lolly Taylor these are players. That's almost a championship dream team from last season. They make uh, you bang your head against the wall. Yeah, and the fact that they're in the position that they are does make me want to bang my head against the wall. <laughs> Quite hard as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, two sides with promotion ambitions met on Wednesday night, Bristol City and Blackburn. It finished 1-0 to the home side after a late winner from Famara Jeju. There were a lot of shots in this game, Justin. A lot of shots. Not many actual chances, though. Dan Bentley had to make a couple of good saves. But in the end, it was Bristol City who ran out with the three points. Yeah, um, can't really say it was deserved. As you say, there wasn't many chances. It was it was going to be a tight game, but you know that man from Arajeju pops up again, and he's a difference. You know, he's won six points in tight games this season from scoring the winner, uh, the winner in games, and um, you know it's good to see. And, I, and I'm a big fan of his because he went through a period of last season of getting a fair bit of stick. Um, but for me, he's always been Mr. Reliable for Bristol City, and I hope he gets a new contract there because I'm sure there'll be a few Championship clubs. At the very least, sniffing sniffing around him, but you know it, it it was a fairly big win for Bristol City, and as you say, the chances wise, there were few and far between clear cut chances. Um, you know, had Adam Armstrong been a bit more clinical, yeah, I think he had eight shots uh, um, uh, against Bristol City. Yeah, had he had he been a bit more clinical, you know, it could have been a different game. But as I pointed out, um, you know, I think Blackburn were just knackered; they were just tired. Yeah, they. Uh... They uh, would have been a bit frustrated with this result, wouldn't they? As you mentioned, Adam Adam Armstrong. I actually had him down to have nine shots. 
um, which is astonishing because anyone who has nine shots in a game is clearly just punting it from everywhere. Um, he was actually getting accused of being a bit selfish by some of the Blackburn fans in some situations. I can understand because there was one situation where I think Sam Gallagher was in the box and instead Armstrong's gone for the shot and he skied it into Rose Z. I had a shot as well. You what, sorry? I'd have shot as well if it was Sam Gallagher on the other end of a pass. Hey, I've seen you shoot and I wouldn't want back <laughs> you to score either. Um, uh, but at the same time, if he, if he wasn't shooting as much as he was, then he wouldn't be the joint top scorer in the league. So you've got you've got to take these things on balance, really. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they they have been a bit frustrating Blackburn so far this season, haven't they? They haven't beaten a side in the top half yet, which is quite a... An amazing stat, and if they're going to get in the playoffs, then it's something they need to be doing, isn't it? They can't just be flat track bullies across the whole season. <laughs> One player who stood out for though for me yesterday was Harvey Elliott. No player created more chances after the midweek games in the championship than him. Out of those games, he also managed to create more chances on his own than nine different teams, which is remarkable. And just a reminder, Justin, he's still seventeen. He was born four months before Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut for Man United. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, God indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's give a quick word to Bristol City. They've done well to stay in the playoffs, haven't they, despite having so many injuries. And I do wonder if uh, in January they'll look to bring in a few more bodies because I think they kind of need to, don't they? Because the squad is a bit thin at the moment. Yeah, it's, they're in a weird position because, as you say, they've got, they've got a big squad. It's just a shame that quite a few players a few key players have got um, big injuries but you know perhaps dipping into the loan market might help but then again January is a terrible time to try and prop up your squad because you have to pay an extortionate amount it's whether or not Bristol City see, see it being worth the gamble because you know I feel like Dean Holden's building up to something whether or not that be this season or next season is another thing but it just depends what they do upstairs whether they give it the okay and say look let's throw some money at this let's see where we go because for me I don't think that's the right way to go about it but as I say they're building something Um, it's just whether or not they see it as a good opportunity this season or going into next season I know what you mean with the players that they have though they should be looking at a push to go up I know this season's wide open and there's about 12 different teams who have a decent chance for getting promoted this season but if they brought in, what, a defender, um, another right-back maybe to cover for Steven Sessegnon, a centre-mid, I know they've got a lot of centre-mids, but they're missing a bit of creativity in the middle now. If they managed to sort that out, then you'd have thought they'd still be on course for a playoff position at the end of the season, wouldn't you? No, yeah, definitely. It doesn't need much, that Bristol City side. It doesn't need much at all. That's what I mean. If you get those players back fit, uh, you know, some of them have got long-term injuries, and they're fine. Then you do see them as a top six team, but it just—it's just injuries have, have let them down this season. Yeah, massively. Wednesday, they're struggling a bit, aren't they? They lost two 0 to Yorkshire rivals Huddersfield, and the worst thing is, Justin, they didn't put much of a fight here, did they? No, it's again. Oh, it's what do you expect that with a with a Pulis side? But they did look okay. They did look good against Norwich at times. Um, but unfortunately, I think they can be quite easy to sniff out because if you cut out the wide wide players, then what, what are they going to do? Where's the supply coming from? That's basically what Tony Pulis strikers rely on is, is good is, is good wing play, uh, good counter-attacking, good wing play. And you know, Huddersfield, they're, they're well set up to stop that. 
I think if you can give Tony Pulis the benefit of the doubt in any way, then and that doesn't happen very often from me. Um, I don't think he's really got a Tony Pulis striker there, really, has he? Because you've got Josh Windass, Jordan Rhodes, Callum Patson. They're not exactly the typical Tony Pulis. And we all know what type of striker I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there isn't that Tony Pulis striker there, really, is there? No, there's not. And I know just the man. Ricardo Fuller's still playing, isn't he? <laughs> He's still playing Sunday league football. Get him back. <laughs> go for it. Do it. It's worth it. If you go down, go that. down with Ricardo Fuller in your team. Do it with style. They were a really poor Wednesday, and I think they could still be playing now, and I'm not sure if they would have scored. Wednesday shots on target update. They managed two in this game, which means if you ignore the Norwich game at the weekend, they've managed five shots on target in five games since Tony Pulis joined, which... Uh, it's impressive to say the very least what I always say with Tony Pulis teams Justin is that the football might be shit but he gets results but if you're not getting the results then you're left with shit football and shit results <laughs> <laughs> the dream combination and defensively they've been somewhat better but they have been awful going forwards they've barely been creating chances and it's worth remembering this is all happening while they've got Izzy Brown on the bench barely getting a game and he was one of the most creative players in the division last season. At the moment, it looks like their only hope of staying up is drawing enough games to climb off the bottom. Because <laughs> I, I don't see them winning many games at the moment unless they do some terrific business in January. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. Um, and I don't mean Ricardo to... Fuller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a shame because I think Neuhu would have been perfect, wouldn't he? Oh my god, I completely forgot about him. He yeah. is the Tony Pulis striker that he we've is. all been dreaming of. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, he's, uh, I can't remember, I think he's in Cyprus, maybe? He's somewhere. Somewhere, hasn't he? Somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, they're going to have to bring a couple of players in at the very least to get something out of this Wednesday attack. Stephen Fletcher would have been the man as well, wouldn't he? But yeah. Wednesday decided to let all their strikers leave in the window, uh, which was an interesting decision. For Huddersfield, this was a walk in the park, really, wasn't it? They were even able to miss a penalty and still win comfortably. A lovely yeah. free kick from Isaac and Benza as well. Yeah, cool. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. We weren't going to bring it up because it was a great free kick, but his his run up was spectacular. It was like a a wide step, wide step, wide step walk, flick it in. It was Bang. like so seamless. Yeah, it was lovely. He's just whipped it in. It's a lovely lovely free kick but it's three wins in four for Huddersfield now they're going well aren't they they are and you know repeat what I said last week just see last week's episode for what I said about Huddersfield Town and the week before and the week before that you know I, I love this team under Carlos Corbran it's they're really hard not to like they, they just I've got nothing to say about them just just love them Justin's becoming a converted terrier <laughs> uh, a big game near the top of the table finished Swansea nil, Bournemouth nil. Jason Tindall was disappointed with his side and the fact that they didn't get three points here. And rightly so, they had some great chances and probably should have won, shouldn't they? Yeah, it just felt like your classic Tuesday night encounter between two teams at the top, really. They, they just lacked a bit going forward because it was just a tepid game. A tepid game. I think the back three for both teams played played really well, which tells you pretty much the story of the game but you know with the chances Bournemouth had you can argue that they, they could have won it but then again Swansea are very good at I won't say grinding games out managing games they're very good at managing games um, and they managed this game pretty well but they'd, again it just highlights the the inefficiency as a Swansea going forward 
um, which we've, we've spoken about um, almost weekly now. It's you know they need a bit more going forward to get out of these tight games, um, and obviously Bournemouth have enough. It just didn't happen for them. Mm. It goes back to what we keep saying, isn't it? That when you silence Andre Ayew, you go a long way to silencing Swansea. He didn't have a shot in this game, but at the end of the day, I don't think a point is the worst result for either side. Jason Tinder will have obviously wanted the three points, but before the game, you might have taken that, considering both sides are going pretty well at the moment. Final point on this game, the pitch looked awful. You know what? I was going to bring it up on Sunday, and I, and I saw some Swansea fans saying that, you know, OK, there's been a, a, re- a reduction in investment, but the pitch can't be this bad after such and such time. And I was really surprised, really, really, really? surprised. Cause, really surprised. Yeah. You played on better pitches than that on a Sunday, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to say. I don't want to say how how good they are, but yeah, they're well taken care of. Better than that, <laughs> it was awful. It, it, you could. It's one of them where you can see on the TV cameras because quite often you only really see it in person how bad a pitch is. But on mm-hmm. this one, the, the camera's miles away from the pitch, and you could still see loads of mud patches. It was, it was just awful. You don't expect that in the championship. Um, Brentford nil. Derby nil, a massive point for Mr. Rooney. The big question, ladies and gentlemen, is, is he winning rounds just in peach? I, uh, I tweeted last night that he is, yeah. Wow. How he much is. has changed in a couple of weeks? I'm, I'm still sort of one foot in the door of getting experience managing, but when, when he's, when, I mean, he's got this team playing really well. He's got them organised, which they haven't really been all season. Um, they've, they've looked good and, you know, at times they could they could have won it last night as well. Joswiak hit the post. No team had a shot on target. You know, it's the first time under Thomas Frank that Brentford haven't had a shot on target, which tells you the work that Derby put in defensively. And yeah, it was it was a it was a good performance from that point of view. Okay, need a bit more going forward, but I am I am being won around to the Wayne Rooney as manager camp. My God, my God, what a time mm. to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. In fairness. Derby, even when you're under Koku, they weren't defending too badly. It no. was just purely going forward as forwards where they were awful. They they have looked a lot more solid recently though with Christian B League. My God, I love Ooh. that man. He is a machine yeah. in the middle. Mm-hmm. Such a good player. And who knows where Derby could have been last season if he hadn't got injured in the second half of the, yeah. the season. He, he <coughs> is a destroyer in the middle of the park. Uh, Barnsley bounced back from their battering by Bournemouth at the weekend to beat Wickham 2-1. My boys Britton and Styles linking up for the first goal. Love to see that. Uh, anything you want to say on this game? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, Ishmael's the first Barnsley manager to win six out of his first ten games. Wow. Which there is interesting. Go. But uh, yeah, on Callum Styles, it's, it's, it, was, it was another smart purchase for Barnsley. He got him from Berry um, as a central midfielder, and he, he seems to be thriving at left wing back. Um, you know, he's now got three goals as well, which doesn't seem a lot, but from left wing back, it's pretty good. But you know what? A, what a player he is! It just highlights the the consistency in coaching gets the best out of players. You know, this is a good model. We said it at Brentford, but Barnsley another another one that some teams should uh, should take account of. I, I love them both. Britain and Styles, the two <laughs> Callums, they're, they're absolutely class. They really are. They, they've got them both from lower league, both for a minimal amount of money, and they both look absolutely class. And finally, Coventry nil, Luton nil. Not much to say on this game. Coventry still in a perilous position, but they've been unbeaten for quite a while now, surprisingly. But yeah. they're still just hovering 
above the relegation zone at the moment. Let's do Who Knows Wins, Justin. This is our league where you can win money from correctly predicting the results of championship games. It's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app, join our league, guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship. The more people involved, the bigger the prize. And there have been some big prizes going recently. Loads of you have been joining in. And if you haven't got involved yet, you may as well because it's could be a very easy way to win some big, big cash. Just before Christmas, Ryan. And just before Christmas. What a Christmas present that would be from the guys at Who Knows Wins. Uh, oh. The deadline this week <laughs> is on a Saturday for once because there isn't a game on this Friday. I've been having quite a few people message me saying, where's the Who Knows Wins League? It starts on the first game of the weekend, guys. There's been Friday games for the past season. <laughs> so make sure you join before the first game. But luckily this weekend, that's not the case. The first game is at 12.30 on Saturday. So we'll start off, Justin, by predicting the results. Cardiff Swansea, the Welsh Derby. Which way are you going? Oh, it's a derby, so it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I'll go draw as well. Bournemouth Huddersfield. Um, oh, that's really tricky. Oh, um, I'm going to go draw. I'll go Bournemouth. You, you love Huddersfield so much. I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blackburn Norwich. Again, that's a tricky game. Um, Blackburn at home. I'm going to go Blackburn. I'll go draw. Derby Stoke. I'm going to go draw. I'll go Stoke. Middlesbrough will win with a little bit there. Middlesbrough Millwall. Um, wow, these games are not inspiring at all, are they? I'm going to go draw with that one as well. I'll tell you what, there were some tight games this weekend. Yeah. Really tight games. Um Surely Millwall have got to win at some point. They can't just keep on drawing games. Uh, I'll go Millwall. Forest Brentford. Brentford. Brentford for me. Birmingham Watford. Um, Watford. It's tricky. I'll go Watford there as well. Luton Preston. Um, ooh, uh, Luton's home form's not that good, so I'll go Preston. I'll go Preston as well. Chef Wednesday, Barnsley. Uh, Barnsley. Uh, yeah, I'll go Barnsley as well. Uh, no, actually, I'll go draw. A, a typical Pulish shithouse. Uh, <laughs> Wickham Coventry. That's an interesting game, isn't it? I'm, mm. I'm going to get edged towards Wickham. Again, they're another team that haven't been informed lately. I'm edging towards Wickham as well. We're, we're agreeing on a lot of games here, Justin. It's, it's very uncomfortable. I don't like it. Mm. QPR Reading. Ooh, Reading. Oh... You know, I'll go Reading as well. And Rotherham, Bristol City. Um, Bristol City. Yeah, it's got to be Bristol City, hasn't it? Right, that is Who Knows Wins. Make sure you join our league to win some big prizes. As I say, the deadline is on Saturday. Download the app now. Get involved. It is an absolute blast. Otherwise, that's us for this midweek edition of the second tier. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.